Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content, and we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to MomentumVolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. Garrett May here alongside Josh Nickel, and today we've got two guests, Maverick Hatch, former National Beach Volleyball team player, former partner of mine, and my biological father, John May. Welcome to the show, both of you. Before we get into things, I just want to remind our listeners out there that we are on YouTube, Sharp Cuts Volleyball. Head over there. We were talking today, Josh, there's some cool stuff we can do there. We can do comments where you can tell us how awful we're saying things and how terribly we get things wrong. We love to hear that. Or if we do something good, let us know. And two, we can do polls where we can ask the audience for things. And we need a new poll to update our favorite guests of all time because we cannot have the reigning champ to be John May for that. So please subscribe. I'll put out a poll. We'll do it. It'll be great. So welcome to the show, guys. Um, Josh, again, a a second week in a row, I'm prepared. I can't believe this. Uh, But we wanted to get some spicy topics to talk about with these guys. So hopefully we have a great conversation. Hopefully we're still friends afterwards. But hey, who knows? So the first topic we wanted to talk about is uh, something actually that you brought up, Josh, um, was about kind of an athlete's behavior and their candor and practice and in the environment versus their talent. And does it really matter? So I think, I don't know what the exact example was, but you know, does it matter if somebody is a total dick or is rude or whatever, as long as they get the job done and win in matches. So I figured we start off there. I'm not sure if I'm ready to wade in with my, my opinion yet to go first, but is somebody hot and ready to give a, a sharp cut? Well, let's give it. Go ahead, Mav. No, no, I was going to throw it. I was no, come on. It's, obvious. It's, his, it's his topic. Oh, I'm curious why you wanted to talk about this. Well, I'll, I'll it's pretty it obvious. We got open, two Mav. guys whose behavior is in question on the show. I mean, Absolutely. Let's, let's just put it out there. So when we had John May on Passing Dimes, cheap plug for the other show we do, Garrett, uh, just the interview style, he mentioned that as a coach, you should never really, you should evaluate your athletes, but you shouldn't judge them or you shouldn't label them and say, oh, they're this or they can't do that or whatever. You like, said you that, Dad? You should be believing them and pushing them. And I thought it was good to get his perspective on this because full disclosure, Maverick, I think you carry the label as somebody who was difficult to work with at times. So it would be good to have you uh, now who's who's going to be a Canada Games coach. You're, you're big in the club development thing in NBC there. Like you're doing a lot of coaching now. But as an athlete, Maverick Hatch was maybe not the easiest athlete to work with. So I thought, you know, with this show, Garrett and I try to know the viewers and we, we like to, you know, pump it up. And I think we have two experts that can entertain our listeners on this topic right now. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that's an understatement. Uh, it's a known fact. I was part of Garrett knows. He said we were partners. I remember one time specifically in Qatar after a match. We can get into that later. But yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for your vulnerability there, Maverick, because it's not often we get a few viewers on the show who we try and they're like, oh, no, I try to argue with us. Logan men being one of them. Shout out Logan. Watch it. We're coming for you next time, bud. But uh, all right. I think I'm ready to give my verdict. I think I would fall on the side of I don't care to an extent how hard somebody is to work with if they're getting the job done if they're winning right the goal is to win so if you're going to go out there and get a win i'll, I'll like we're, we're all here for the same reason so if somebody's winning like i'll I'll work through all the crap we need to if we're going to get the job done having said that if you're a complete and losing i mean that's a big problem right like Oh, I feel like you hit the nail on the head for me. I hate to agree right off the bat here, but I, I, mean, I felt you like you would say that though. That's why I was leaving. I knew. <laughs> and and play shitty. You just it, it's if you're going to be in a place, it doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of the jo- or it does matter. At the end of the day, get the job done. Now, it's always been my opinion. Now, looking back, you know, as an older athlete now, no longer playing, coaching, developing youth, that sort of thing. For sure, there's tons of value in supporting your partner and being a good teammate. But deep down, intrinsically, I still believe at the end of the day, if I look back, me as a player, I don't care if my partner is a complete asshole. Are you getting the job done? Are you taking care of your job on the court? Because at the end of the day, to me, that's the only thing that matters. Well, it would be difficult for any of your partners to be a maverick, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's all relative. You know what I mean? Like, not that you were 
people. I, I never, ever, ever have I ever considered you as that. Um, you know, and my only comment to do with this is we all are when we let our egos get in the way of our functionality. Okay. All right. What, like, again, with this stuff, where do we even go with that? The meta stuff. The what? You're trying to go real deep on us with this. What do you think, though? Some, like... Well, no, I, 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 I don't know what would qualify somebody as, a, you know, an a-hole. All right. Like Here's I, an example. I'll give you an example because I was thinking about this when Josh brought it up. They have to do a job at the national team of, of, of evaluating people and making decisions. So some years they put on things like coachability or, you know, sportsmanship or whatever on this criteria. What it sounds like Maverick is saying, and I, I think I would tend to agree, is like those have nowhere. Those shouldn't be anywhere near this. If you're evaluating somebody for money, your job, how's your performance? How did you perform at your job? I'm curious what you where you would fall on that. Like I said, I don't think uh, you're, <laughs> you know, it's all about interpretation of someone's behavior, right? So, you know, many people can be rubbed the wrong way by different, different ways that people are behaving. I was always very demanding of my partners and I'd let them know. I think I earned the, the, the relationship trust so I could say, hey, we're where are you on that particular play or what, what's that? Or where's that at? And you worded it just like that too, right? Yeah. Like where were you on this particular play? Yeah. Where were you on that play? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Exactly. And, and I think if you, if you've developed the, the right relationship with your partner and there is a trust between you and the fundamental must is you're delivering then your behavior becomes immaterial. And sometimes that type of behavior can actually stimulate your team and influence the other team's perspective. They get distracted and so on and so forth. Like you can't judge a book by its cover. And when you're in a match, you know, you never know the influence on the outcomes of the games. And, and it's, so it sounds like you're saying that yes, behavior is important, but context is even more important there that like if somebody's being rude to their partner, but it's, they have a strong relationship where they can handle that uh, or rude to anybody else. But if it's in good faith, right? They have a good intention. They're kind of good natured about it, that it's okay. But if somebody's like bearing their partner, actually a detriment to those around them, and it's not really coming from a great place, it doesn't matter if you're getting the job done because your net benefit is still negative is what you're saying. Yeah. The bottom line, the truth always shows itself regardless. I, I think we can all agree that a team that truly believes and trusts in each other through all of the pros and cons through dialogue on the court in game will go further. I think this is an, an interesting topic, especially as Canadians, because I think in my experience, um, there's a lot more focus put on being polite and nice to your partner on court. Well, it's like, Personally, for me, I needed to be able to play with someone where I'd be like, hey, side that friggin' ball out and let's go and not go into a shell for me to be successful. Now, me as a coach is different than that. And 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 I think I learned this a lot better when I got into the workforce I mean, as a as a lumber trader. Now, like what makes you successful on the floor is being able to work with so many different types of personalities. And that is a lesson that you don't necessarily learn as fast in beach volleyball because you're only ever working with one person. And especially when I was on the national team, because we didn't have as much support and, and support staff as the national team does now. I mean, we had a mental trainer and that sort of thing, but um, you know, there's benefit to having a good relationship, but I think in the heat of the moment, if that relationship is strained by someone snapping in the heat of the moment where, you know, whether it's ego or emotion, getting the best of you and your partner takes that in a negative connotation or, and then goes in the tank or vice versa, that I think is, is not healthy. There needs to be that trust there. 
but but in match, I mean, you should be able to say or do whatever. At the end of the day, I go back to my original point, get the job done. If we could hate each other in the match. It doesn't matter if our relationship is strong enough. You iron that out off court and in match. I mean, one objective, win the game. Yeah, I, I, I your point is kind of ringing true for me a little bit there, Maverick, because when you talk about it as Canadians, we're like often encouraged to be all focused on the positive rah, rah on the, you know, being a, a, a nice, polite partner. That was kind of when I was growing up, that was a huge like encouragement and a positive for, you know, it was like kind of praised if you behaved like that. But when we played together, when kind of I was much older and I think a little bit more mature, I definitely learned a lot. I, I don't, I'm, I can't, I, th- I tell the story sometimes and I want you to confirm if I if I've been telling it wrong. But when we went to the Cayman Islands, we're playing together and we're both I would say we're both adults at this point. Like I, I was in a stage in my life where I'm like, I was that, sorry to interrupt you. That was 2017, I think, wasn't it? Yes. 2017. After hip surgery. Yes. Yeah. The 2017. So, I mean, we're both coming at this. We're going, all right, we're trying to play. We want to get the job done. Like we're not here to mess around. Like we're not here for the, ex- no, like we're coming to, to play in this tournament. And we played a terrible match against Jamaica and we went to three sets and we're like both dog tired. Cause we're kind of out of shape. I was definitely out of shape and we leave well, the you, match. You left out the preparation, the preparation we had or didn't have. Was it terrible? I don't remember that part. And well, there was a trials to go to that tournament. Right. Okay. I think we played pepper the morning of the trials showed up won the trials <laughs> and then didn't train again until Cayman islands. The first reps we had outdoors was the morning pepper before our match. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't tell people that, but I probably should. But what I remember yeah. the most about that match is we're coming off the court and we just scraped by the team was terrible, but we, and, and you went, when I'm tired like that, you need to play way better. You said that to me <laughs> and I turned around cause I was tired too. And I, I was like, I said, off. <laughs> and, and then you went, wow, I've been waiting for a partner to say that to me. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. Okay. Do. So I've been telling that correctly. And I think that moment for you and I was like, okay, like, Hey, here's two men who are trying to make this work. Like, we're dealing with this stuff. And I think we were much better for the rest of the tournament. And then we came back together and played in the nationals. We ended up winning. Like that was a great moment, yeah. but a lot of people would be buried by that statement, you know? Well, I, it's, it's the same way I do it in business now. And even as I coach youth and I got to let them know, like, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. And, and it's not that, I, and Jamie and I talk about this all the time. It's not that I'm trying to be a dick and I, I do apologize if it comes across like that. Like kind of, no, you, don't have to try. Like, you don't have to try. There's no, <laughs> there's, I just don't understand, especially in sport. Why, why sugarcoat anything? Gary, you know, when I'm tired, I'd really appreciate it if you could make a few more plays. Like, whatever. Like, I need you to play better, man. Like, how, why is that so hard to hear? Someone tell it to me. I don't get it. Well, because it, it, it was only hard to hear for me because I was feeling the exact same way <laughs> at the time. Like, I was like, I was sucked and I was tired. I need you to make more plays for me. And then I was like, but I think at that point I realized, and we talked about it at dinner, I think, that night too. And you did explain. You're like, hey, I'm not, like, I'm not here to be like I'm here to tell it like it is and it, and that's going to help us get past it and be better right like we got to deal with this if we're trying to win um which I I really respect it so I I do see that that part of the point um which which I really like but I definitely don't see that a lot and Josh maybe you can give us the inside scoop like if you see somebody's behaving like that what's the impression from the admin side of things looking at who's not really there on the sand you know or is it on the sand but not really playing the game well, well, definitely. I think that's the other layer to this. I think we can all agree that like performance on the court and your relationship with your partner is important. But as you hinted earlier, Garrett, there's about nine categories in your carding or 10 categories to get carded. And I think five of them are like off court behaviors. Like what's your international potential? What's your coachability? What's your ability to plan? So Maverick mentioned there wasn't much of a support team when he was coming through, but now there is there, there's a full-time support team and they want to be aware. They want to manage your load. They want to take care of your S and C. So you need to communicate. You need to have a plan, stick to a plan, follow 
follow a plan. And, and I think some athletes get labeled as difficult because one, they don't take feedback very well and two, they're terrible planners, right? So I think that's another area athletes can be labeled as difficult is if you, if you want to show up to Tuesday practice with John and say, ah, you know, I just, I don't feel like jumping today. And John's going to go, no, like we're jumping today. So obviously like your load's going to be pretty high and that affects your S and C maybe in the afternoon. And then it just like, it just ripple effects through the program. Right. So I think, yeah, I'm totally on board with you guys talking about like the athlete and the team within the team, but there's also people responsible for your performance. And that's where maybe athletes get labeled difficult as they, they're just hard to deal with, with logistics and planning. So what do you do with a guy who comes in or a girl who is, is a great communicator actually, and on top of their stuff, but it's just unpleasant to be around. Well, I think in our system, they, they get swallowed up and they get labeled, right? Where it's funny running this podcast, I get to talk to a lot of interesting people. And Joe Trinzi, the scout for women's USA volleyball, they've had a lot of success. He goes, there's a reason I'm the only math major on the team. We want physical beings who are going to be aggressive and go out and win games. So if they miss their daily check-in, do we really care? If they don't do this, do we really care if they perform on the court, right? Where we're kind of the other way where you've signed a contract, you're an employee technically, and you need to do A, B, and C to be successful. So if you don't do those things, I think they, they get warned they get talked to they get explained the value of it but eventually they might just fizzle out because they're going to score low in those categories which is it's interesting See, this is where maverick's going to light up because maverick maybe wasn't strong at these things but he could block and serve with the best of them so obviously he deserves a spot on the squad right well let's get things straight i I would consider myself fairly detail-oriented and planning well but uh some of those other things when i was younger sure um but as a coach, I, I always want to work with those challenging athletes because in my experience, being one of those athletes as a younger player and working with a lot of those athletes, like I've coached since 2009, so a little while now, not nearly as long as shooter, but um, John and I want to hear what you think too. But those athletes that are the toughest to work with, those in my experience are usually the ones that can change a game on their own. They can influence the outcome of a match on their own and they're challenging to work with. They have so much fire inside. They just don't know how to deliver it. They don't know how to direct it. They don't know how to act professionally. And so they just need someone to invest the time. And, you know, Leonard for the national team back in the day gave me the benefit of the doubt and worked with me and sat down and, you know, compared similar things to German athletes he's worked with and that sort of thing. And, and then, you know, he went away and whatever, and new coaches came in and slowly, slowly over time, it was just like, yeah, Maverick, yeah, Maverick, which whatever, I was fine with it. I'll, I'll always lay <laughs> to in the, the point now where everyone's like, ah, who's Maverick? Forget that guy. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What, <laughs> Maverick Hatchel, what? Who? Oh, he's married to Jamie. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I mean, like those athletes, in my opinion, are the ones that have a super high ceiling. If you can get through to them and help them work through whatever's going on internally and, and unlock and refocus their energy. Have you seen that, Dad? Is that, would that be your impression as well? Well, as a coach, part of your responsibility is to take a stance to a certain extent in whatever behaviors are going on and create an environment you know, for athletes to, to maximize. So if you see something or something, you know, triggers you, you're part of the, you're part of the ecosystem, if you will. So you're, you're giving your judgments and your perspectives, which I think is helpful because usually the coach has seen a few things over the years, whether they've experienced them themselves, like Maverick comes at it and he's usually those athletes that are, are often critical of their partner are often critical of themselves as well. Like they're demanding of themselves. They're demanding of high level and performance. So you want that in athletes, but I think it, I think it's a bit of the art of coaching is to understand, you know, the capabilities of athletes and be open to things that you're not that comfortable with. And oftentimes as coaches or, call it national team, you set up these criterias of the way people should be or the way they should behave or, and that's not necessarily what's fundamental to success. You know, it might be statistically the way, Hey, this person, you can't treat your partner like that or whatever. But I think, I think as a coach, you have to be open to, you know, multiple types of personalities and, and people and, 
you know, to go back to my original point, you know, you can use those tools. You can, your ego, the way you behave often services you, takes you to the next level. But when it gets in the way, that's when it becomes a problem, right? And that's when we should all take a look at ourselves and go, hey, maybe our behavior isn't really serving us the way we expect it to be. And I can give you tons of examples, Josh, if it's okay, if I bring up some athletes that I've just had an experience with recently, and that's... Uh, well, it's sharp Sergei. cuts. Like, we can name names yeah, here. So I mean, that's Sir, very some Sergei, people. I'm down. Like, what Sir, are we talking about Sergei here? Let's go. Chris. I'm getting excited now. Yeah, yeah. Sergey and Chris, I hope they're listening. Chris because, was on the show. I didn't bury him as much as I would have liked to. Chris Tor was on the show. <laughs> Who's Chris Tower? No. Chris Tower is a former player. Chris okay. Tower is a current player. Yeah, okay. Tau, but he tore a strip off of you guys, I bet. But anyway, the the issue with with <laughs> the issue with Sergey and Chris, you know, Sergey's talking to Chris, actually coaching him on multiple situations. And like, you know, so I had to intervene, not to, not to say it was the first time I was in a session with them, but I just saw a lot of uh, points brought up by Sergey that weren't relevant to anything. He was just talking out of his as you might say, but I don't want to be critical of Sergey. <laughs> you were so nice until you just said he was talking out of ass, though. That took no, it up a notch. I don't want to be critical of Sergey, but Sergey's way too talented to let that get in the way of his execution. Like he, he definitely could be performing on the world tour and and winning matches. But you know, whatever's distracting him, I don't know what it is. But I just noticed his conversations with Chris weren't serving Chris or him. So I had to mention it. Whether I was right or wrong, who knows? But to follow that up, he wanted no part of that. He was out for the next session that was scheduled. He didn't want to hear from John May. What does John May know? He knows nothing, maybe. Now, he didn't say that, but I'm putting it here on the show that he didn't like me calling him out in front of his partner and in front of himself. So... How he reacted to it, who knows? Maybe he'll call in. Sergey, if you're listening to the show, we'd love to hear from you, by the way. Um, but anyway, sorry. Comment below. Yeah, comment below. Let us <laughs> like, know. Subscribe. We'll do a poll. And then we'll uh, we'll get back to you. Sharp Cuts Volleyball now, on YouTube. Now, Maverick, to, to, to bring a contrast, Maverick would never shut back down from the opportunity once he's challenged, he'd stand up for himself and he'd deal it. And that's why, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up on the show, and I don't want to change the subject, but I'm looking at two of the greatest players that Canada's ever seen. Two of the greatest players retired. One won the world championships. The other had a dominating performance like I've never seen in the Norseka championships and won the Norsecas. Two guys that, well, now they're not even playing. So... That I got asked the question why. You calling us out now? Uh, I didn't come on for this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now that you're challenging us, Maverick and I are actually just going to sign off because we can't. I mean, we can't take it, right? Like that. No, I'm, not, I'm not challenging. I'm just, I was kind of giving you a bit of a compliment and saying how great you are, but it's oh. now you're retired at both very young ages when you've, you know, and one's a coach and I one's a broadcaster. I think about that a lot, though. It's hard to turn that off mentally to go back. Not to change the topic, though. I want to go back to what you said about uh, not to name names, or I'm not talking about him anyway, but Sergey in terms of like coaching. I, there's a difference. You know, we started with performance or, or uh, what do you guys say? Like emotion on court. <laughs> Going back to that, like, Again, it, to me, it doesn't matter how it's delivered if the focus on what you're trying to discuss is a tactical approach to the match. How are we going to beat this team? However you want to deliver that information, deliver it. But if you're going to like get picky on what your partner is or isn't doing, like me, I'm a blocker at the net. All I see is like after the contact with the ball, I look over, is my defender going the right way or not? Of course, I'll get upset if he's cheating and going the wrong way. But if like I'm blocking line, and he's not there to dig a hard angle hit, like he's sitting middle or something. And he didn't communicate 
to me, the tactical thought process of that. I'm going to turn around and be like, what are you doing? I'm blocking line. He just hit in the angle. You got to be there and dig that ball. But before that play, if you look at me and say, hey, I'm reading a few shot cues. I'm going to sit in the middle here. Maybe on your line blocks, be more aggressive and dip in and try and take that sharp angle hit. And it's like, okay, you know, I yeah. go and block. They hit angle by me. I miss it. Defender's not there. I'm not coming down being like, where are you? And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, what no. adjustment are we making now? I learned that about you pretty quickly. And I really respected that once we worked through that. Cause it was like, Hey, we're talking about stuff we're doing together and trying to win the game. I have no problem with that. Like that, that makes a lot of sense where it gets me and I hated it. And I like, there were some people who I would play with even in a practice environment or even just for a one shot, I'm not sure if I'll name names here, but uh, who would just coach you on stuff that was not related to how you were scoring points or any tactical decision on like technical stuff in the middle of uh, just a random practice or a one-off like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, hand position when you're setting the ball or, Oh, Hey, you know, defensively and it rolls. Oh, Hey, on the serve. It's like, okay, get the, like, get that trash out of my face. Like we're trying to compete and win here. That's the stuff that really bothered me. All right. I guess I'm, uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's just well, we're all like, well, we all agree. Yeah, you. I'm glad to see that that bothered you. Okay. Like, well, who, hey, are we well, not? Yeah, well, you kind of. All right, listen. Out. All right, you, you names. guys. I'm trying to bring some damn energy names. on this show, and we got well, a bunch to get this island treatment. Names? I'm not gonna name names. Who is who is Garrett. coaching you on your hand position? Who? All right, I'll name names here. Here we go. Josh Binstock. Oh, okay. Well, that's obvious. What? You're well, no, no. obvious. That's you're the guy that would. Yeah, also probably advise you to go super late on your block. Who's like one of five athletes who can do it that like, I coach it totally different. I'm like go way early. Just go super early. Get in the hitter's way. Affect them early. Totally different. Yeah. Well, I I I was feeling bad because I should have called him out on it when we had him on the show instead of be, taking the the coward's way out and just calling him out now while we're here on the show and he's not here. So sorry, Josh, but also what the heck, man, my hands were fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously he didn't know what he was talking about. If he's talking about your hands when you're setting, like, are you kidding me? That would be a, where, where are you going with that? Like he's way off. Sorry. I take that personally. I, myself. I, I provide some commentary because we played together, but I didn't get served very much. <laughs> I uh, also, and this is funny too, Sam Schachter, because I played with him for a bit and then we didn't play together for a while. And then we would pair up and practice occasionally. Also started to throw a few a few pointers out on the out on the court there. And I thought that was interesting given that our history, right? So I don't know. Maybe it's just a maybe it's Sam, an ego man. thing. So Schachter, when when after you guys won world championships, Schachter and I decided to play together. And I'll always remember this because I just thought it was like very unusual to hear, but when this is when we were training at Downsview Park back in the day, Schachter and I teamed up. I wonder if he would remember this. I think we've talked about it in the past, but he looks at me. Uh, I can't remember when early into the first season of training and I'm paraphrasing here, but he looked at me and referred to himself as my stepping stone to become, you know, a really great player. And I'm like, Hmm kind of threw me through a loop I'm like oh what and i remember like working on hand setting a lot at the end of the practice and then just moments playing together and going back to the emotional and getting the job done type thing we're playing cayman islands and i think it was like in a pool play match or something and we're in a third set and uh late in the game like they're hard on sam and uh and then he gets it's up a few setups in a row i can't remember i'm probably not making many blocks either at the time but uh and then later in the tournament, we make it all the way back to the final. And in the final third set, too, they're hard on Sam, and he gives up a few in a row, and we end up losing. And like we haven't got our medals yet, or maybe it was right after our medals or something like that. But going back to like Maverick Bowl type thing, I look at it after. We're like, we're kind of happy. You know, we finished second. I think Binstock Reader were there, and they finished third, and Puerto Rico won or something. And uh, I look at him, and, I, and this is verbatim how I remember it anyway. I look at him, and I say, that's twice, okay? Say, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you know, one match earlier in the tournament, really tight. We went to a third set. You missed a few side outs at the end and we lost. And it happened in the same tournament again in the final. I look at him and I deliver the guy. He's like, what are you? And just like instant shut down. Like, dick. And 
I walk away and it's something I'll always remember because like, who would say that? Who would do that? Like, what kind of partnership is that? You're not helping build anything. And then, you know, years and years later, when I'm trying to convince Sam to play with me again, I'm like, teams are like, they're serving me hard. You know, I suck the first three tournaments this keep playing. He's like, nah, I'm going to play with Binstock. Like, yeah, makes sense. That may make the Olympics a good choice, but still. That's you know, kind of like, a sad So story, much man. learning. Well, it's a story I remember a lot. a lot. Sam and I played, I think, three or four years together, maybe. I forget it. But like back in my youngest years where like it was like not a lot of thought and what was being said all the time. Yeah. yeah, but you guys were you guys were a good team. All right. Well, you know what? Enough about Schachter, because speaking of stepping stones, I think there's a few of them on his way on his journeys on this call right now. And I'm kind of sick of it. I kind of don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Two stepping stones here. Okay. Well, speaking of coaching and stuff, we were kind of on that topic briefly, and I'd like to revisit it because I think there's maybe some interesting thoughts there. And I know, Mav, you had some thoughts on this. Um, Is training with a coach versus training on your own? And this was something that kind of changed over my career. And back when I was a youth, we never trained with a coach. Like I didn't have the opportunity to do that. And then kind of later in my career, it was like only led sessions in the, in the center with the coach. Like that's really all you could get access to, especially in the winter. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts. Cause Mav, you, we were talking kind of before and you, you would express that there's a bit of a trend to have a reliance on the coach for beach. I know indoor, it's a lot easier to have that, but for beach, a little bit of a reliance on the coach to really get your work done. And that, that just sounded strange to me. Like, I don't know if you can maybe give context to that for our listeners. Like, is that the thing that's going on with players or like, cause I'm so out of it. As, as, yeah, I get on the sand more here and almost all of the youth athletes I work with, I like encourage, Hey, did you get them play on the weekend? Oh no, I couldn't find anyone to train with me or no, I, I, there was, you know, no sessions being run. I'm like, what do you mean? No sessions. For the net system I have, you have it with you. You have balls. Like, just go down and set up and play. I don't know. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like if you're a youth athlete, you need a coach there to toss balls. I'm like, just go play. Like you're the perfect example of it, Gary. You grew up just playing. I mean, granted, you were playing with like Marquise and you had your dad there and watching John Child and all those guys back in the day and Hernan around. But I mean, you were just playing. You were like, to me, you're one of the definitions of a guy that's as good as you are because you just went and played and you learned in game type settings. I feel like that doesn't exist here. Not at the youth level. You know, women will go down and play. They'll set up. But youth, it's like... Beach practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then maybe Friday if if a coach is there. Like, why do you need a coach? Tell me that. Like, especially as like you're 16, 17, 18 years old, you want to go down and play NCAA beach. Like, you should be down at the net setting, like at the beach, setting up your net and finding people to play with. In my opinion, you can't play too much. I feel like you can train too much because if you're training. You're training specific movements, specific skills. It's high rep. It's intense. You're also getting that cardio aspect. The break, like that active recovery piece is when you just go down and play. Yeah. I wonder what that is. Because now that you mentioned that, I kind of feel a similar sentiment uh, here because I've been going down to the beach a little bit, running some sessions, some early morning sessions. And you know what I see that's kind of interesting? Speaking of just playing, I get down there at 7 a.m. And it's early and I'm seeing people playing like wreck. Like people are down there at 6 30 a.m. playing wreck. And I'm like, holy, that's commitment. And then the days I'm there till, you know, 8 30 or 9 before I leave to go to work. And I don't see like the players who you like the competitive players coming down to play at all. Like where the where the heck are they? Right. The only sessions you really see down the beach are ones with a coach. And I, I, it's not something I've really noticed before, but you're kind of right. I mean, I understand it, but in Ontario, it's different. You have the national team athletes and the people that are, you know, think they're at national team level, but aren't quite, uh, and they're down there with their coaches training. It's great. I fully support having a personal coach, but when you go down to the beach and you're relying on these beach programs in Ontario, I don't know what it'd be, Timo or some club. They have, you know, why can't you just go down and play? 
So Josh, maybe you can give us some insight from the other side. I'm curious because you're the one trying to organize and get a lot of these sessions running. Do you think, because when I was a kid, it just was the availability. I didn't have an option. If I was going to play, it was going to be on my own, or maybe I could convince my dad to run a session for me, which didn't happen that often, right? It was like once in a while, but it was on our own. We're just trying to figure it out uh, or with another team, right? But now... Do you think the availability of that makes it so that it's like, oh, that's set up for me. I can have it. And then outside of that, it's like, oh, is that even a thing I should be doing? Well, I I think the pendulum swung too far the other way, right? Where I think when we all grew up, you could go outside and play or you could play street hockey. You could do stuff that was like self-organized. Where now I just see kids, they play sports when it's like scheduled for them. They don't self-organize. And I think that that is totally involved in beach volleyball. But if I were to take the counter here, I think... Feedback is important. Like that's a pillar of learning. So I I understand the role of the coach, but I experienced that with the national team. I think like to Maverick's earlier point that athletes are relying on it. I have 28 year olds who have been late on the national team since their 20s saying, Hey, can you watch my approach here? Dude, we're trying to win medals internationally. And you're saying, do you coach, can you watch my approach here? Are we thinking about winning a four star? Are you thinking about working on your approach today? Like there's, there's some weird stuff where they want coaches approval and they want that type of feedback versus I'd rather talk tactically. And what are we going to do to win tournaments? versus like hey did i shuffle to the left after i passed that ball it's like dude we're so far beyond this where the hell does that come from john 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 you're running session how much feedback do you give in a session versus how much just encouragement and energy do you give yeah i don't give much much technical feedback it's all about the you know the reaction to the moments Uh, you know if you're if you're on the if you're at that level you know, it's it's interesting, Mav, that you bring that up. And Garrett, it's interesting your perspective of of you know how you you know developed in the sport of just playing. I do agree, Josh. Like we're kids now; everything's structured for them. But that's that's a fundamental evolution of what we're dealing with with coaching. And I, I, I it. it I, not to get too dramatic about it, it saddens me because that's not what beach volleyball is about. So the beach organization saddens you? No, the fact that beach volleyball... Like Josh Nickel saddens you. Let's yeah, name names here. No, but let's face it. Beach volleyball for me and what you're saying, Garrett, for you was something you just went and played and that's how you developed. And here I am now a coach of beach volleyball and I know the power and influence of coaching but I really struggle with the the way it moves the sport out of that independence of the athlete because it's all about it's all about the independence of the athlete. You know, that's what's successful. But then you look cool. at a team like Norway, and you know, I don't think they got to where they're at by just playing. You know, they had a dad that was a beach volleyball guy, you know, not too dissimilar, Garrett to probably our relationship growing up with the sport. I don't know if they were involved in indoor like you were, but probably, you know, um, I always, when I looked at it as a parent and a volleyball person, I thought indoor was the place you trained and beach was the place you went and experienced it and just played. I tried to avoid going down and running sessions. I tried to avoid being too influential there because I was in the gym four days a week with a group of guys and I didn't want to be coaching. Well, not that I didn't want to be coaching them, but I wanted them to have their own freedoms and independence. That's why I love beach. Nobody told me what to do. It was up to me. So I, I earned everything I got in beach and I wanted that to continue. So it, it truly saddens me. And I think the national team, uh, we can't blame the national okay, team Okay, speaking of that. blame, though, because I was going to go there. Let's blame some people. Why would a kid, and, and what you mentioned earlier, Josh, about like asking for that feedback, why would a kid or an adult come in and ask for that and think that that's what they need? Is it because that's what coaches have been telling them is important for years? Like, is it the evolution of coaching in our sport where coaches think, oh, I'm going to tell them something and it's going to make them, it's going to make them better. If I give them technical feedback, they're going to take this and they're going to improve. Look at the best coaches. I mean, the best coaches in the world will provide a nugget and the athlete figures it out for themselves. That's why it's so important to go play. The coaches that are always yipping and yapping during practice doesn't let the athlete think for themselves. You're not 
coaching your athlete. You're telling your athlete, you know, yes. especially in beach. There's no coaching during the game. So why are you always going to be yipping and yapping? And John, that's why I asked you the question, like how much technical feedback you give. Basically zero, right? Because you focus on all the intangible type stuff, which is clearly way more valuable. You look at Jamie and Christina's performance and their pathway and how steep and quick it was. But I mean, me as a coach, I'll be the first one to admit I talk a little much, but it's more so like just some banter and challenging just to see how athletes react. But I do like to be quite technical, but there's a time and a place to be technical and there's a time and a place to let your athletes just play. And if you as a coach are not able to let your athletes just play, you need to be encouraging them to go play on their own, whether you're there or not. I totally agree. But imagine a kid who grows up, they're eight years old and they go to a volleyball camp in the summer and they go for five weeks, say, and the coaches there are giving them constant technical feedback. Then they, then they escalate. Now they're going to kind of a youth program where they're playing a little bit competitively. They get the same thing. Now they're in a provincial team program and those coaches are trying to prove themselves and thinking they got stuff. So now they get the same thing. Now you got a 19, 20 year old athlete who for 10 years has just been gotten this. And that now they think that that's important. I, I would, I'm ready to blame youth coaches. I'm ready to go to war against all It's probably all the listeners too. So yeah, I'm ready to, I'm ready to have a scrap. Let's go. Josh, are you yeah, seething think, over there? Or are you, are you in agreement? I, I, I think you need you're both. probably pissed, aren't you? I think you need both. I think coaches do have value. I think it has to be steered the way Maverick is like how we do it is we identify like KPIs, key performance indicators, and we set up those situations in practice. So you can get used to those situations over and over again and get ready for like stuff that's going to be in a game because like Maverick said, you're not coaching them from the sidelines. So I think the the era of the coach talking for 20 minutes straight, there's no place for that. But I think having structure, organization and feedback, like there, there's a ton of value in that where I don't think free play always ends up that way. Like if you've read like outliers in those other books or even uh, Alex Ferguson, who used to coach Man U, he mentioned like there's tons of soccer players who go to the park every weekend and they've acquired 10,000 hours, but they're not experts because if you're just out there, you're playing for fun, you're not getting better. Like there has to be a deliberate part to it. And, and I think like, just to repeat myself again, I think feedback is valuable. And if you're just playing with your friends at the beach, maybe you're not working on stuff that you need to get better or, or just, you're not trying new things because you only know what you and your buddies know. So if you only play with your four buddies every Sunday, are you really really getting challenged or better versus going to tournaments, going but to practices, like things like talk, that. Are we talking about athletes that have had no coaching going down and playing, or are we talking about athletes who have had coaching going down and playing? They should know some, what you've referred to as KPIs to focus on when they're playing. So it's still deliberate just because they're quote unquote playing doesn't mean they're not, you know, focused on what they need to be focused on during the session. No, I agree with that. I think I would like to live in the world of both where like if Marquise were here, he would tell you you don't need coaches on the beach, right? Like I think he wants his kids to do what Garrett did and just show up and play. So I think they're, they're, there's an opposite end of the spectrum. I kind of got to sit on the fence here like Jake and Logan tried to do on the show where I think. Yeah, we don't accept both, that here, Josh. You should know better. I don't think you're going to have success if you only come from a program where you're heavily coached or if you only come from a program where you do free play. I think there's time and place for both. Well, what determines a success for a youth coach? I'm going to, I'm, I'm on the, I'm playing the blame game. So you guys, you guys haven't your intellectual conversations. I'm pulling out the daggers. What determines a successful coach at like the eight to 13 years old age range, right? Cause there's no team Ontario. Like what determines success? Like it's who's watching them is the parents watching their kid, right? Who's paying for this, this sport. And so if you sit there and you're a parent, I mean, I get it. What if you sit there and a parent and the coach is just letting the kids play and you have no idea what you're talking about. And that kid just played and you go, Hey, this coach is just sitting there doing nothing. And I'm paying, I'm paying for this whole thing. Like there's some optics there, isn't there? Like there's gotta be some. Well, what coach shows up and just lets kids mess around. (laughs) That's me. Oh. And and what what coach gets paid to coach on the beach? Hey, d- d- hey, newsflash, Dad. People do you, it. Maverick, Josh, you all get paid to do it. Are you jealous? No. All right, but but is is that why you do it? No. Hey, no matter how what much we might say we back? don't, would we do it for free? No, I just get I so there's there's this group of girls there. Most of them are NCAA. We were a group of girls, like three or four of them, 
going down to NCAA and I worked with him for a couple of years and just basically purely because I lost track of all the details and stuff. I was like, Hey girls, I haven't collected any payment for the summer. Don't worry. It's on the house. I go, okay, cool. Thanks. Cause yeah, like, especially with beach, if it's indoor, it's different. I don't necessarily enjoy being in the gym at that time. I like the athlete development side of things. That's why I want to be a coach. I like the challenge of working with different athletes and seeing the development, but on the beach, like, yes, if I had to, I would do it for free, especially in BC where like you look at BC versus Ontario in terms of youth beach volleyball. And there's some great things going on in BC, but it's very, very centralized. There's not a lot of option out there. So, I mean, yeah, I would do it for free gears. Well, have you not ever been in a situation running a, I don't know, a camp or something or, you know, and there's parents there watching and kind of kind of evaluating your performance. Well, <laughs> what do the parents know that I don't? Well, they know maybe nothing, but they only know what they're watching. Right. That's what that's kind of what I'm saying is. And I see it in on in indoor a lot more than I see it in beach. But I, I feel it. We're talking about some stuff. I feel like there's a little bit of influence there. Like you go to an indoor camp and you get these parents who are like, oh, yeah, these coaches. Oh, yeah, they're real. Oh, look at them. He's giving this. T- oh, yeah, the platform. Yeah. Knows what they're talking about because they don't know. Like they don't understand. They're not talking about the same level. They're not listening to sharp cuts. They're not hearing these great points that we're making. Um, and so, you know, all you can make a judgment on is what you're seeing. And so you put your it, it just adds to this cycle. Well, of, there's a there's a false sense of confidence there a lot with a yes. lot of parents, right? Like, what does this look like? Hey, you bring a lot of energy, but are my kids really getting better? Well, they're getting better because they're playing. They're not necessarily getting better because the coach says so that's something you always have to deal with. At the end of the day, if a parent doesn't like what I'm doing, well, the door is right there. Well, you don't You're have to deal with me. it if there's no coach there and the kid is just playing. If you're a coach, if you're a coach and you're even thinking about what the parents are thinking, you got to check yourself. Well, sure, sure. Yes, I agree. But it's just like, am I the only one who is thinking that this is a thing that happens in this world? What the heck? People do this. It does happen. I think you're the only one. Yeah, you're, you're, like I'm, I I'm, I'm looking around at these coaches who are doing I it for money or do they I like it, but they're taking paid. money off of those athletes, parents, you're taking money off them and you're feeling that you may not be delivering the value because you're worried about their perspective. Are you trying to make so, this a deep inquiry about me? No, no I'm but just that's put, right there. I'm just <laughs> nailing the nail on the head it's you're going to get you're not going to get a straight answer to john because john is very confident about his coaching he doesn't care what anyone else thinks because he truly believes that he's making any athlete he works with better and i would agree no you don't think so john yeah no i agree with you totally i (laughs) i i i i I don't spend a lot of time questioning myself i I, and i've said this many times um (laughs) you know I don't know what I'm doing. I only do what I know. So nobody can question that. Okay. If you do what you know and you're confident in it, then that's all you can do. You can't pretend to have this greater. Great. So all these kids, all they know is going to a coach led session and relying on the coach to give them feedback. So that's, they're going to do what they know. And be no, confident the athletes, in it. The athlete's perspective, you know, uh, not to be judgmental, but, you know. Of us? Or where is this going? No, but yeah, I don't. I, maybe it is. It's too <laughs> sharp of a cut. It's too sharp of a cut. Wait, are we you, teasing, to, we are you to, teasing a deep cut and then backing away? No, but as, as great coaches and great coaches, we should be freeing our athletes on the beach. That's what we should be doing. Get out of their way. I agree. We're, so we should be encouraging them to go play on their own as well as coach. Yes, a hundred percent. I agree. You see, you and guys, you should go and, you and guys you should are go taking and a great them. moral stance. I think we're all in agreement there. Well, it's tough for it's tough for. Let me ask this question. I'll I'll throw it out there. Josh, did you go to Quebec this weekend? No, no, I didn't. Okay. There was tons of national team athletes playing there, right? But Josh, 
watches them all practice and he's involved and he's engaged and he's doing a, he's doing a job there where he's got all the athletes and there they are in a competitive situation on the weekend. And he's not seeing that. And likewise, I spent time watching and running sessions for some of these same athletes. And then I didn't even see the competition. I know so we, all, it was interrupting our do, nice time this weekend. You get in the text update on the match. I was a little bit upset yeah, all, about it. Yeah. All I can suggest is that, is that it's back asswards. If you're not watching the athletes compete and many times you can't, you can't really give them, you, you don't know. You can't watch a video because it's not the same. Unless you're there feeling the energy of what's going on, you really don't have anything to say, in my opinion, because you don't know what's going on. Oh, you hit that ball on the bottom of the net or whatever. Like if you're not, if you're only there in training sessions and running training sessions, and then they get in the competitive environment and you're not there, and you don't, you're not feeling that, then are you really helping? Not, and I don't mean that to be critical of what, you know, but I felt that. I felt that with Will and Jake is that you're right. He's is giving, he's is there cause he's there with his kids, but I'm not even there with them. So am I really bringing them any value? No, no. Okay. No. In the competition, the only value a coach can provide is in between matches. Yeah, so no, I course. don't, I don't, I don't mean even during the games or during the tournament map, but I, I haven't got a clue of the energy or of what they're good at or what they're bad at or what happened or whatever. You know, I can only take shots in the dark. So, cause I'm not watching them play. I'm watching them train to play. If you understand what I'm yeah, saying. A few points though. Like you're, 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 you're suggesting that a coach is really doing nothing if they don't watch and participate in their athletes competition and B secondary point that video doesn't even substitute for that. Oh, of course it doesn't. Come on. You guys know it's not like being there. It's not like being there, but if you can't be there, well, we all it's basically Sarah, nothing. We all watch Sarah and Mel lose to Australia in the Olympics, right? We all watch that. I suspect we did. We're still and mourning we can the loss. We can speculate on what that felt like, but you know, and we can see what happened, but we don't really know what Mel was feeling or the dynamic between Mel and Sarah. We saw, we got snippets of it. But we weren't there really experiencing. We don't, you know, we were watching it. And I was watching every detail of it, yeah. trying to to get insights into what was going on. But, you know. Interesting it, point, Dad. And I should have known you would you would make a point like this when we asked the question. But you're trying to say that coach being present is huge, but also just have them play. Well, if you're, yeah, well, no, well, in the, in the training, you try to create an environment that stimulates a competitive situation, in my opinion, that okay. they get to execute their yeah. skill and yeah. you create an environment. And then when so they're just the, playing, which we've agreed is valuable, what's the coach's role? Mav, and I think I... No, the coach's role is zero at in those moments, other than to experience those competitions, it's, it's, that's the value of it. That's the extreme value of it. That's where some of these other countries are benefiting by having those people there all the time. Cause they can, they're experiencing that it's, you know, interesting. It, point. That's, that's my opinion because where it, do you sit on I, that, Josh? I think our situation almost demands that video has to be a substitute because Jake and Will are in Budapest right now, and I'm not going to see that game, but we still want to support them and encourage them to do well, right? Like if the, the coach has a minimal role in our sport. We can all agree on that. Like the laws of our sport say you can't coach, but I think our sport has to survive on video and different types of communication because we have teams traveling all over the world and the, the teams can't afford to fly their coach to Europe or wherever these tournaments are, and we certainly can't afford to fly ourselves to go coach them, right? So I think you, you got to find a creative solution i agree with john that the best case scenario is for the coach to be there but i, I don't think our sport allows it based on 
I think the budget, right? I got a solution, guys. Virtual reality. <laughs> Come on. No? All right. Yeah, it's okay. Well, that, you know Josh, what? Josh, how, how many teams do does the national team send a coach for right now? Uh, I, I haven't been on tour this year. Like, I don't think Adrian has been so on tour come, this year. How come, how come Canada can't afford it, but other small countries can? Uh, I would like to see their funding model. Like, are they personal coaches? Are they funded by the Federation? Like, what is the Federation's budget line? Um, like, where where does our money go? Obviously, it goes to support staff, facility, different types of training stuff. Like, I, I, I don't know what their insight is, but uh, I would imagine most of them are maybe personal coaches. Because I, I imagine when Canadians travel with a coach, it's always been the personal coach. It hasn't been the national team coaches. And personal coach meaning that athletes pay for it. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I, and, and I don't even know if it's so much like, don't get me wrong. Don't confuse what I'm saying is that the, that there's this extreme value of having a coach on the road. I'm just saying, if you're not on the road, you really don't know what's going on as much as you try to simulate it or watch the video and you can say, oh, cause if yeah. you watch a beach, if you watch a beach volleyball game on video, they're very similar. All of them, you bump it up, you set it and the other guy tries to knock it down and then they put up like, Our it's boring is what you're saying. No, no, it's simple. And it's all about execution. Those are so close to synonyms. They are so close. This, this is a good segue. This is a good segue. John, in your opinion, is the best way to play beach volleyball a simple way? In my opinion? I've, yeah. it, 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 to me, it's, it's, it's all about fine-tuning and becoming an expert in the delivery of your serve and of the simple executions, pass it, set it, and hit it down. Okay, so like yes. I don't, Can we get I a don't yes? See, yes. I don't see Norway doing anything fancy. <laughs> they just execute phenomenally. Yeah. I, that's it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree that that's how I think you should play if you want to be successful. But I'm not playing anymore, Mav. Like, I'm done. So as a fan... What do I want to see? I want to see them throw it around there. I want to see them run around and do all sorts of crazy stuff because I think it's hilarious. Maybe I'm alone in that. Oh, how many teams do that on tour right now and they're successful? How many? Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I don't care <laughs> if they're successful. You know what? The only here's 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 a tactical strategy. All right. When the person that's getting served can get more proficient at controlling where the pass goes yeah. so much so that their partner can jump up and hit the second ball down every time. Okay. And has that option. It's simpler than three hits. It's only two. It's one less. If I get it's that right. Like, it's like, Holy cow, that's deadly. But I wouldn't take it to the extreme like Australia does with these run around from the all, you know, hey, like I remember the guy, silver medalists. Yeah, but they, you know how they won that? Or, you know, oh, they kept beating... it simple, right. Well, didn't they? Well, I know. I don't know. I love when teams will throw it out there and have a sick play, even if they lose 21-16, because I saw something fun. <laughs> yeah, but here's, here's what I don't get. What player on the world tour can't hit a ball in the court from two to three meters off the net? Not many. Why does giving an option out of serve receive need to be right on the net where you have no other option than to hit it? An option is putting the ball a little bit higher, maybe, so your player can get a jump and hit a fast shot over yeah. or slow or hit the ball down. Like, yeah, that's too logical. I don't understand. It's a logical argument. It's yeah, a smart here. thing. This is what I don't understand. I, I, especially young athletes nowadays, I feel like they get so distracted with having to, you know, run all these complicated side out options or, you know, fast to the pin, back set here, whatever. I get the back set if you want to utilize the wind. Are you able to pass a ball where it needs to be passed nine times out of 10? Can you set it straight up and down nine times out of 10 without it spraying off the net deep in the court? If the answer is no, 
focus on passing and setting it straight yeah. ahead. Oh, yeah, oh, but so you need to now, fool that me, single block. You got to oh, escape that single Come block. On, you need to fool him. You need that spread. It's that single block's too hard to escape. Listen to this. Listen to this. I've been around for longer than I can even admit. When I started coaching Julian Shanice, I was watching the signals that the blocker was giving, right? And I'm like, what's that? Well, like telling them where to serve. No, just, well, you know how, hey, let me really break it down. When the blocker puts fingers behind them, you put a one or a two if you're going to block cross or line. Yeah. But now there's like a dozen options. They got the little finger out. They've got this full, they got all this complicated. I said, I'm going to hey. start on the line. I'm going to hop cross. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Time out. How about, how about nothing but line blocks and execute it? <laughs> That sounds like a John Mayer practice. No, it no, is. I love it. I love it. That's hey. what we did. That's what I did. I like. I don't know. People never got it. I was like, no, just block line. Like we don't need to do anything. Else. Okay, maybe make a block. <laughs> I like it. No, but it. But it's boring no, as hell as a fan. Well, you were always played with good partners like Dan Deering and and sorry, but myself, who you know on a line block, we're reaching and taking that angle. Yes. Well, they won a world championship with Sam. He was blocking, wasn't he? He's sneaky yes. good. Only, only line, really. No, we, really? We, did, we did some other stuff, no, but yeah, like no. But seriously, if it's if, gonna work, at least a few times. Well, wait a minute. I want it. We got, we got the national team coach right here. What, what are all these? What's a four? What's a three? What's the pinky out? What's this? Well, let's be clear. Just, just as Maverick joked here, he pulled out the, yeah, I'm going to start here. I'm going to affect the key reading. I'm going to do this play. I'm going to do that play. Like there, there's calls. some stuff going on. Yeah. 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 I like what the four that? call system. There's a, straight up, there's a straight up line. There's a straight up angle. There's an X play. And then if you like it, I'm not a big fan. There's a dive line play, which is just opposite of dive. X. Yeah, what's, this? what's this? What's this? What's this? That's it's the same difference. I don't get the four call. play. What's this? The five? What's Josh? Do you know What's this? What's this mean? That would be That's a, a ball block. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, we ball. get that one. Okay. Hey, we get that one. Ball block. Okay. What's well, the four? Of course, though? if you're going to block the ball, just block it. I think four <laughs> is a line dive. You start inside and you dive back to the line oh, as a four, is it not? God. Oh, you know okay. What? So, but if that's your four, what's the pinky? <laughs> this is what this looking, is a I think problem u.s versus canada here this is a problem of, in terms of block calls canada, well yeah not all our three and the four all our teams don't have the same calls either garrett so you got to really pay attention about like who's some guys don't even it's call it a big two we don't even call it the same thing as anyone well how about the john may just block line standardizes the block calls i think i'll start tomorrow mav i'll standardize the block calls but uh yeah, I was just we need one call no, you, line you, you, we've you heard that already you couldn't <laughs> You couldn't do that, Josh. That's the truth of it, because then they'd start saying that you don't know what you're talking about. As <laughs> soon, as, soon as you tried to simplify things, you would be uneducated. Hey, Garrett, uh, I'm looking at my stats here, and nobody blocks line more than 75% of the time. So I'm just letting you know that most teams are running plays and trying to be a little bit more active, but nobody's blocking line 100% of the time. Just letting you know. The team who blocks line the most is Stoyanowski and Krishilnikov. Well, where's my stats? Like the, the De- Deering May <laughs> stats and the Hatch May stats? Because I bet we'd be 85 90%. I don't have access to that era of stats. Too old. Thanks, Josh. Hey, I appreciate it. Have you, have you guys ever learned, have you guys ever learned, John, talking about simplifying something and then people thinking you're an idiot? Have you ever heard of footwork referred to as the pizza? What? No, that's what I thought. The pizza, like when you're skiing, yeah, you know, like the pizza. Cut shot, someone hits a jumbo. You take your two steps. Oh, it's a jumbo. You the pizza. It stops your forward momentum, and you turn around and you step, step, lunge, something or other, and you dig the jumbo. I had a coach your knee buckle. Weird. Take yeah. your pizza and your pinky and your four call and get out of here. Is I guess the message. Uh, no, but going back to the, the topic, though, like moving the ball around and stuff in inside out. I mean, Gary, you were saying you were making a joke about the one block. You go to an indoor coach and you put a one hitter versus one blocker. Like, give the hitter a high ball. It's like, this is indoor where everything is speed. You for sure have a one on one, no question about it. That hitter wants you know a higher set because a hitter on balance 
should be better than a one-on-one block every day of the week. It's like trying to score. It's trying to score a goal in soccer penalty shot. Oh my gosh! I I totally agree with you logically. If I were competing today, I would do the same thing. I'm not. I'm a fan. I want to see them throw it around. Like I like watching when they do this dumb stuff, and when it doesn't work, I laugh. I think it's hilarious. When it works, I go, whoa, that was crazy. I'm interested. Yeah, but as a fan, I like to see it too. That's why I love watching Cantor Loziak in Australia. It's fun. It's different. But as a coach, Garrett. Oh, as a coach? As a coach. Get that crap out of here. What, are you trying to do that? You no, know, garbage. Beat it. Pizza. Go practice your pizza. Say, Garrett, you're the defender. You just dug a cut shot. You dug it low. You don't have time to get off the net. You want something quick and loopy to you, so you just get up and hit it down. Well, it's my deep. old style was, yeah, set it that high and I'll just go to work. But now I may be thinking, yeah, set Thanks, me a back God. shoot set, actually, just to, you know, just get something interesting going. Because I'm going to screw it up no matter what, Mav. It's been a while, man. The last tournament I played in was with you and we won the Nationals. So, <laughs> yes, we did. Hey, and we lost back, the first match that, of the tournament. That comes back to me. My original question is, why are the two greatest of all time retired at such a very young age? Yeah, well, I was tired about being a broke beach athlete, but I guess that's because I didn't get a good enough results to make money. Maybe. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree. I was, it's a, it's a grind, especially if you're, you come home and it's like, oh, I, I don't really have a home. I got a sand pit that I just dump my head in when I need to sleep when I'm at home. Like, I don't know. Wanted to Plus move the other thing, all right, I think that's a uh, a good sign that we've reached the end of this this episode. Maverick is <laughs> having <laughs> he's t- frozen. I'm I'm he's surprised we lasted this long time. without some sort of technical difficulty. It'd be great over time. Oh, we just caught but, it. Nice. Oh. Don't know what it said, but uh, yeah, we're having some tech issues, Matt. I mean, listen, it's a wonder you're out there in BC. We're here in Toronto. My dad's in the middle of nowhere. So I'm shocked that we lasted this long, everybody. I mean, well done. I mean, round of applause for us. Are you kidding me? You know, great. Still there. You are. Yeah, you're there, Mav. You're there. But you're frozen. Your video's frozen. All right, he's oh. gone. Oh. All right, oh, I'm going to no. have to edit this later, and I'm upset about it. Yeah. I'm very upset. All right, I better close the show before anything else goes completely wrong. Um, Mavic, if you can listen... Great. Thanks so much for being with us. And dad, thanks for coming as always. I think it was a pretty interesting episode we had so far, Josh, like some, some real interesting conversations, some deep stuff. I think we disagreed, but it wasn't, it wasn't hostile. You know, I felt like this one was going to be spicy based on the guests we got, but we just got really deep on some good conversations. So thanks for these guys for joining. Thank you for listening. If you're still with us, but uh, yeah, Gary, this one I thought was going to get a little heated. It didn't. I, I learned yeah. a lot, but uh, here we are. Yeah. Well, I think thanks I everybody for watching. Thanks, Matt, for being here, and you're welcome back. Thanks, Dad. Um, if you, Again, reminder, if you're still listening, thank you so much. Please comment on our video and let you know you watched till the end. Like, oh, my goodness, we need to know who you are because there's like four people out there, and we've had two of them on the show so far. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's saying something. So uh, that'll do it for this one. Uh, thanks for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time.